Sunday morning, we had a couple technical difficulties, and so the first uh, 10 minutes or so of the recording didn't didn't get recorded. So I'm sitting here with our sound man, Donnell Mathis. Hi, Donnell. Big thank you to Donnell for all that he does. Uh, sitting here in his studio in his home on a Tuesday morning, about 11.20, and uh, we're going to go over, I'm going I'm to re-record the first 10 minutes. So um, that's why it might sound like there's a little bit of a switch, about eight and a half, ten minutes into it. But um, this is pretty close to what we talked about Sunday morning. So I'm going to start by praying. Lord, I pray that you would use this teaching to strengthen your people and to uh, bring encouragement and power and that through this you'd be pouring out your spirit upon your church. And I pray for your help now for me to be in sync with your word, that you would stir my heart more, and just come, Lord, and do a great work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to talk about is uh, what happens on the day of Pentecost. And that's in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, so you can go ahead and turn there. Um, what happens in Acts 2, just to, to give you a recap or a prelude, is that Jesus pours the Holy Spirit out upon his church. And as I was thinking about talking about this, um, I was trying to think of a way to, to help us all feel how important that is, and I thought of two questions that could kind of set the stage so that we can really see the wonder of what Jesus has done in pouring out his Spirit upon the church. And the first question is, why is the Holy Spirit so important? And here's why. It's because your highest joy, highest satisfaction, is found only in knowing God, feeling God, and experiencing God. So we can seek our, our joy and satisfaction in lots of other things like work and friends and food and sex and entertainment and, and all those things can be good gifts of God in their rightful place. But none of those will come close to fully satisfying our hearts. Not even close. We've been created so that our highest joy Fullness meaning is found only in knowing, feeling, and experiencing God. It's like if you have a little kid's toy with a, a round hole in it. And you can have all kinds of other sh shaped pegs, some rectangles, some oblongs, some square, and be one round one. It's only going to be the round one that's going to fit. It's going to fill you. You can try to push the triangle one in, try to push the square one in, try to push the rectangular one in. None of those things will fit and, and fill you, only the round one. And that's exactly the reality of how we are as created beings. There's only one entity reality that will fill and satisfy our hearts fully and lastingly, and that's knowing, feeling, experiencing God. So the question then is, how do we do that? How can we... Know God, not just know about God, but actually know and experience, feel Him personally. Uh, in the early chapters of the book of Genesis, we read that Adam and Eve were able to walk with God in the garden. And I'm not exactly sure you know, what all that meant, but it would have been an awesome thing to be that close to God and to behold Him in that way. But as we know, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And so God withdrew his presence, he withdrew the Garden of Eden from earth. So the question is, since that's happened, now, for us, how do we know and feel and experience God? And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. The Holy Spirit 
is the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the third person. He is a personal being, which means that he thinks and feels and speaks and acts and desires. He's a personal being. He's not just an impersonal force or power. He's a personal being. And he's fully God, which means that all of who God is, is in the Holy Spirit. Just like all of who God is, is in God the Son, Jesus, and all of who God is, is in God the Father. All of who God is, is in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's main job is to make God real to us in our experience. So we know him and feel him. So what this means is there's only one way that that you and I now, in this life here, can know, feel, experience God, and that's if God gives us the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but there's a problem now. We've all rebelled against God. God's infinitely loving, flawlessly faithful, perfectly wise. He promises to change us, guide us, provide for us, and most of all, to satisfy us. And we've all just turned our backs on him because we wanted to be in control. We wanted to call the shots. We wanted to take the credit. And so God and his justice has to respond to us with judgment. Our sin has to be punished. So not only can't God give us any good gift like the gift of the Holy Spirit, what he has to do is punish our sin. But in amazing love and at great cost to himself, God has chosen to save a vast multitude that no one can count, men and women from every nation, tongue, and tribe. And to do this, God the Father chose to punish our sin in his son, Jesus, on the cross. That, that's the horror of the cross, is God punishing my sin in Jesus. And Jesus, at great cost to himself, was willing to be punished for my sin on the cross. So because God did that through the cross, here's what this means. He can save us. You're living your life, seeking your heart's satisfaction and lots of other things, but one day someone walks up to you and with love and tenderness and boldness, they tell you about Jesus. And as they're sharing with you the gospel, your heart is changed. And you see the truth of who Jesus is, what God has done in Christ. And you see the emptiness of the other things you were trusting to satisfy you. And so you turn from those other things. And you put your trust in Jesus. You trust him to forgive you. You trust him to change your heart. You trust him to guide you and to provide for you. And most of all, you trust him to satisfy your heart. And so you, you turn away from all those other things you were trusting for your heart satisfaction. And you turn and you trust Jesus to forgive you, to change you, to provide for you, to guide you, and most important of all, to satisfy you. And the moment you turn to Jesus Christ in that way, God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for the first time, remember this moment, any of you? For the first time, this is unbelievable. This is what love is. This is joy. This is fullness. This is what I was created for. The peace, the security, the presence. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. You will 
never be satisfied, full, content, secure, apart from God's gift of the Holy Spirit, making God real in your experience so you feel God. Know God, not just know about God, but know Him. Behold Him. Experience Him. Now let me tell you a story to illustrate this. It's true. True story. I've told this before and I'm going to tell this again. This is one of my all-time favorite stories. I just couldn't resist this week. Jan said it was okay. All right. It's about Blaise Pascal. Lived in France, 1600s. Brilliant mathematician. Okay, the, the Pascal computer language is named after him. Today, all right? He was just living his life far from God, but at some point somebody told him about Jesus and he turned away from the other things he was trusting, put his trust in Jesus to forgive, change, satisfy him, and God gave him the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ah, and so from that point on, he had frequent times where he knew God, he met God, he felt God, he experienced God. And one of those times was amazing. And we know about it because after he died, the people that were preparing his body for burial found that he, he, he was wearing a shirt right next to his skin, and inside this shirt was a little kind of a crude sewed pocket, all sewed up. And inside this pocket was a, a, a piece of parchment on which he had written what he experienced one night in 1654. Here's what he said. All right, let me read it to you. This is amazing. This day of grace, 1654, from about half past 10 at night to about half after midnight. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. <clears throat> not of the philosophers and the wise. Security, security, feeling, joy, peace. Can you imagine what's going on inside of him as he's writing these words? God of Jesus Christ. So he's meeting God. He's experiencing, feeling, knowing God. He can be found only in the ways taught in the gospel. Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I know you. Quote from John 17. Joy, 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 tears of joy. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's just encountering the living Jesus. And then he's convicted. I've separated myself from him. I have fled renounced, crucified him. May I never be separated from him again. Two hours, some night, he's seeking the Lord, praying, and God pours out an increased gifting of the Holy Spirit upon him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Do you see what I'm saying? Not just knowing about God, not just reading about God, as important as those are, but the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit's gift, you are enabled to experience God's presence, the very presence of Jesus, knowing him, feeling him, experiencing him. Now, I have to say, I've never had an experience anywhere near what Pascal has had, okay? So this is like, you know, raising the bar really high, all right? But I want to be intentional about that, because doesn't it just like, what's your appetite for like, oh, oh? 
if I could just taste like a, a tenth of that, wouldn't that be awesome? Got good news. Good news is coming. So that's the first question is, why is the Holy Spirit so important? Are you feeling it? Do you see why? You will never be satisfied. Ever. Unless God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you'll be satisfied. All the, see, that's why some of you are, are not satisfied yet. And you think that that's going to satisfy you or that's going to satisfy you. It's not. This is the only place because the Holy Spirit makes God the Father real to you. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus the Son real to you in your experience so you know, you feel, you know, experience, beholding. That's the first question. Why is the Holy Spirit so important? Second question, I'm trying to put a framework around why Pentecost is so important. How did people experience the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Okay, that is before Jesus died, rose again, and poured out the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Before that time, how did people experience the Holy Spirit? Now, people have different opinions on this, okay? I'll share mine. I think in the Old Testament, people had a very similar experience of the Holy Spirit as we do now in the New Testament. With one difference. The difference now is, well, the difference is that they did not have the Holy Spirit revealing to them the crucified and resurrected Jesus. There was a large dimension of God's glory displayed in Christ's crucifixion and resurrection that the Holy Spirit didn't reveal to them because it hadn't happened yet. Right? That makes sense? Okay, but other than that, Old Testament saints powerfully experienced the Holy Spirit making God's love real to them, God's mercy real to them, God's faithfulness, God's glory. So that's why, for example, David in Psalm 1611 writes and says, um, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand there's pleasures forever. He wrote that because he experienced that. By the Holy Spirit, David experienced God's presence. And he was filled with joy. That's why David in Psalm 51 prays and asks God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I've sinned grievously against you with Bathsheba and Uriah. Don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Okay? He experienced the spirit. That's why Jeremiah can say that knowing God is like drinking from a fountain of living water. Right? Holy Spirit language. Um, and, And then one of my favorite examples, that's why John the Baptist's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, before Pentecost, before Jesus' public ministry, they are said to be filled with the Spirit. Luke chapter 1. So all through the Old Testament, people experienced powerful work of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, this was just a small percentage of people. A small percentage of Israel. Most of Israel were not interested in God, were rebelling against God, were sinning against God. Then the whole rest of the globe was in darkness as well. And so during the Old Testament, it's like the, the, the Holy Spirit was like a few droplets of rain. There was always a remnant. There were always believers, but it was a few droplets of rain through the Old Testament. But, in the Old Testament, God promised to do something absolutely amazing. He promised that the day would come when the the droplets in the Old Testament, this little drop, drop, pitter-patter, little raindrops, would become a torrential outpour of the Holy Spirit. Torrential downpour. Broad, lavish, outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Joel says, not just Jews, Gentiles, every nation, tongue and tribe, people from every people group. And that happened for the first time on the day of Pentecost. 
Now let's look at Acts chapter 2. So we've asked, why is the Holy Spirit so important? It's because no human being will be satisfied the way we were created to be satisfied, rejoicing the way we were created to rejoice without the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, there was this promise that the, the trickles, the little droplets in the Old Testament would one day become a torrential downpour. Lightning, Acts 2, here it is. So here's the setting. Jesus had died, risen from the dead, and then had talked to the apostles for 40 days, and then had ascended into heaven. He told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until I pour the Spirit out upon you. So they waited in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost came. Pentecost is a Jewish holiday, feast day. And so on Pentecost, Jews from all around the surrounding Mediterranean basin traveled to Jerusalem. All different nationalities, different language groups, Jewish people came to Jerusalem. And God had all the believers gathered together. And look what happens next, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, all the believers, were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, interesting, in both Greek and Hebrew, the word spirit is also the same word for wind. Okay? Kind of interesting play here. So here's this, this sound. What does a mighty rushing wind sound like? Not just like, but excuse me. Okay, so it's dangerous. All right. And then verse 3. Divided tongues... As a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, it's hard to be sure, but I'll take a stab. I think this is a picture of how the Holy Spirit, when he came upon them, would set their tongues on fire with witness. When we see the gift of tongues, I think this is more than that. Holy Spirit sets people's tongues on fire when he makes God the Father and Jesus real in your experience. And then verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right, remember? Why is the Holy Spirit so important? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented way. They knew firsthand at that moment the glory of God as revealed in the resurrected, crucified Jesus. They felt, saw, experienced, tasted, knew the very presence of God the Father and Jesus the Son by the Holy Spirit, they at that moment filled with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 4. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit enables them to feel the truth of Jesus, and so then they just started to speak the truth of Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. He died, but... As they were speaking, a miracle happened. They all started speaking languages they'd never learned. The same languages that were spoken by all those Jews from the whole Mediterranean basin that had come into Jerusalem. And so all these Jews who had traveled there on the day of Pentecost were hearing Jesus being spoken to them in their own native heart languages. Very powerful. Gift of tongues. Now, I just need to give a little parenthesis here about the, about the gift of tongues. Some of our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, who we love, because they love Jesus, we love them, they love us, okay? But some of our Pentecostal brothers and sisters make the gift of tongues the big issue here on the day of Pentecost. Tongues is not the big issue here. Are you kidding me? 
We love tongues here at Mercy Hill Church, okay? God still gives the gift of tongues today. We should seek every spiritual gift, including that gift. And there's two different kinds of tongues. As I understand it, there's what happens here, foreign languages, and then 1 Corinthians 12, different. You can study that on your own. So we love that gift. It's still working today. All right, we're all for it. But 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 also makes it clear that not everyone receives the gift of tongues. Okay? I think it's chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And the scriptures make it clear that tongues is not the ultimate spiritual experience. What is the ultimate spiritual experience? Holy Spirit making God the Father and God the Son real to you. Yes! Okay? So can we walk that line? Tongues is valid. We pursue it. It's, yes, we, we, you know, we'd love to see more of the gift of tongues expressed here with interpretation. Yes? But it's not everything, and it's, and it's not the ultimate spiritual experience by any stretch of the imagination. So the way that tongues worked here is the believers are speaking the, the mighty works of God. God's giving them the ability to speak in languages that all the, the Jewish people from the surrounding areas are hearing. And many of those who are hearing believe. But some of them mock. So Peter stands up and he preaches. And he tells them that what they've, what they've observed happening to the 120 believers is what God had promised in the Old Testament. This is the torrential outpour that was promised in the Old Testament. And then he explains that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus has poured this out. Jesus, who you crucified. The Jesus who you crucified was the Messiah. God raised him from the dead, showing that he is Lord and Messiah. And they're thinking, we've crucified the Messiah. And many of them were just smitten to the heart. And they said, what can we do to be saved? And look what Peter says in verse 38, Acts chapter 2. Peter said to them, Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I'll get this next line. And you will receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like we did. So look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So it wasn't just 120 who received the gift of the Holy Spirit. There were at least 3,120 that day. So the, 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 the trickle in the Old Testament has just now started turning into a torrential downpour in the New Testament. On the day of Pentecost, God is beginning a new day in his plan for the world. The torrential downpour of the Holy Spirit has started. Started in the day of Pentecost, it's continuing today, and it will continue until Jesus Christ comes again. So as I was just like here at this point thinking through, okay, what do we need to talk about after this? There's Pentecost. The, the question that I thought we should drill a little deeper in was, who gets to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you get to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit? Who gets to? We've already seen Peter's answer in verse 38. Remember he said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now just a comment about baptism here. Baptism is important. Okay? Um, 
But in Acts chapter 10, the order is different. They repent, God pours out the Spirit, and then they're baptized. Okay, so the most important thing here is the repenting. All right, that's the most important thing. Baptism expresses that. The most important thing is repenting. So we've already seen Peter's answer, but let me show you one other passage to drill this deeper. Turn to John 7, 37 to 39. This is page 893, back to the left in your Bibles that we passed out. Page 893, John 7, 37 to 39. This is a passage that's been so helpful for me in trying to understand the, the work of the Holy Spirit and how he works, and I love what Jesus teaches here. John seven thirty seven to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. So picture Jesus publicly shouting out now to multitudes of people. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay, then in verse 39, John explains to his readers what Jesus was talking about. Verse 39. Now this he, Jesus, said about the Spirit, Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, before Pentecost, before the cross and the resurrection, the Spirit had not been given, as he would be at Pentecost, torrential outpour, revealing Jesus glorified and resurrected. So as yet, the Spirit had not yet been given in that way, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what Jesus is talking about in verses 37 to 38 is the gift of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, receiving the work of the Holy Spirit. And he explains what this means. I love his analogy here. It's like being thirsty. Okay? You bring your heart thirsts to Jesus. You turn from whatever else you were hoping to satisfy that thirst. You bring your thirsts to Jesus and you trust in Jesus to satisfy your heart thirst. And Jesus says something amazing. Whoever does that, whoever believes in Jesus, whoever brings heart thirsts to Jesus from his or her innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I just want to give you a note. There's like a before picture and an after picture. I want to give you a picture of a desert and a river. There's this before picture. Feel this. The before picture is you're thirsty. Okay? So just imagine your, your tongue is like just bone dry. Oh, man. I'm so thirsty. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Your heart is thirsty. You're thirsting for joy, satisfaction, love, peace, meaning. You're thirsty. You're thirsty. That's the before picture. You feeling it? Desert, thirsty, bone dry. Don't leave to get anything to drink yet. Hang on. Refreshment's coming. So that's the before picture. The after picture then, this is amazing. This is like way over the top. Not just that a thirsty heart will be able to drink water and be satisfied, but so much water will be poured into this, into this thirsting heart that not just a stream or even just a river, but rivers of living water will flow out of this heart. There will be so much excess poured in. Your thirst will be so satisfied that extra rivers of living water are flowing out from your heart. So it's just this radical contrast between bone dry, heart thirst. Oh, I want water. And then all of a sudden, so much water being poured out that rivers are flowing out of your heart in in abundance. You see the feel there? Or do you feel the picture there? So who gets to experience this? Jesus puts it two ways. Verse 38. Whoever believes. 
in me. As the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes, verse 38. And then verse 39, John repeats it. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Who gets to experience this? Everyone who believes in Jesus. Everyone who believes in Jesus. So, do you experience this? Do you experience this? Do you you regularly have times where your heart thirsts are so satisfied in Jesus that it's like rivers of living water, extra water flowing out, overflowing your heart, flowing out rivers of living water. Do you experience this? This is yours. Jesus purchased this for you on the cross. This gift he's bought at great cost to himself for you, and you can receive it simply by trusting him. Trusting him. Some of you are thinking, oh boy, this would be really good to get. Okay, I'm gonna, okay man, I'm going to start going to church like every Sunday and start trying to be really good and maybe I'll like even like go be a missionary somewhere. This would be totally worth it. Trust him. First you receive and all that stuff flows out of the, out of the result of that. So just ask yourself, are you experiencing this? One of the most dangerous developments in, in, in some circles of the church is that we've become, we've developed a, a, a version of Christianity which thinks it's Christianity and there's nothing of that that anybody's experiencing. And we call it Christianity. We've developed, a, we've just like taken that teaching of Jesus out of the Bible. And we just go through our life and we do our duty and we believe the right things and we try to love our wives and we work hard at our jobs and, and our heart thirsts are being satisfied, you know, we're, you know, we're watching Lost, trying to get satisfied there, you know, we're, we're trying to you know, buy something new, we're trying to get a new car, whatever. And there's no heart thirst being satisfied in Jesus, and that's not Christianity. And if we're not experiencing what he's talking about here, we're not believing in Jesus. Whoever believes, this is what's going to happen. This is what will happen. Okay. But the good news is, He bought it for you. The price has been paid. He's holding it out to you. He's holding it out to you. And the only thing you need to do to receive it and experience it is what? Believe in him. Okay, let's try that again just to make sure we got that. Okay, it's what he says. That's the right hand. No trick answer here. He says it. He's holding it out to you. He purchased it at the price of his blood. He was on the cross saying, I'm purchasing the gift of the Spirit for my bride. Yes. Oh, they're going to be satisfied. He suffered and died to purchase this for you. He's holding it out to you. And all you need to do to receive it is what? Believe Believe in him. Now, there's lots of people who think they believe in Jesus and they've never tasted this. Right? Maybe some of you. My point in making this point isn't to put you down or to, you know, it's, it's because what amazing news. If you've thought you've been believing in Jesus... And you're wondering, how come I'm not experiencing any of this? Maybe you haven't been believing in Jesus. So let's talk about what it means to believe in Jesus. Okay? How can I experience more of the work of the Spirit? The answer is by faith in Jesus. But I think there's three things that this faith involves. I want you to look at these. Three 
dimensions of this faith. And the first is that faith means repenting, which means turning from the other things you've been trusting to satisfy your heart. Repenting. Acts 2.38, Peter said, repent, okay, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now picture it like this. Before I come to know Jesus, I'm clinging to other things to satisfy my heart, okay? I'm clinging to these other things. I'm clinging to my job. I, I'm going to get a promotion. I'm clinging to my 401k. It's looking good, or maybe not so good, but whatever. I'm still clinging to it, okay? I'm clinging to this relationship, or to impressing other people, or to being self-righteous. I'm clinging to these other things to find my heart satisfaction. Now, as long as I'm clinging to these things, I'm not clinging to Jesus, right? I'm clinging to these things. So the only way I'm going to cling to Jesus is by doing what? Let go? <laughs> Excuse me. Let, let go of these things? <laughs> these are my little treasured little securities. But see, the Holy Spirit comes and say, whoa. <laughs> Bye. Yes. But here's the problem. If you're clinging to these things, you can be fasting and asking for the Holy Spirit and come Holy Spirit and move upon me Holy Spirit and reading your Bible and going to church and what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing will happen. You have to repent, which means let it go. And you cling to Jesus. Okay, so some of you maybe are trying to live the Christian life and in your heart of hearts, what you're clinging to for your joy and your satisfaction is not Jesus. It's a very dangerous place to be. You may not be saved. Maybe I should state it more strongly. I'll say it's a dangerous place to be. That's the first step. Let go of the other things. Then second, faith means setting my heart upon the truth of Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. This is page 973 in the Bibles we passed out. Galatians 3, 5. This is one of the clearest verses, at least to me, which shows me how to continue to experience the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at what Paul says, Galatians 3, 5, page 973. Galatians is back to the right. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's a letter that Paul wrote. He says, does he then, speaking of God, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Notice the question. The question he's asking is, how does God supply the Spirit to you? How does he do that? How does he bring you those experiences where you joy, 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 tears of joy, overflowing rivers of living water? How does he do that? It's not by works of the law. It's by hearing with faith. Hearing with faith. See, what the Holy Spirit does is he enables us to feel the truth of Jesus. We feel Behold, see, love, the truth of Jesus. So you've got to give the Holy Spirit some truth to work with if the Holy Spirit's going to be able to do this in your heart. Right? So you've got to hear with faith and, the Spirit, and God will supply the Spirit to you. So one way to do this is by opening up God's Word. This is why we encourage you to be in the Scriptures every day so that you can open up God's Word and say, I want to see who Jesus is. Holy Spirit, come. Help me to see, feel, love, be satisfied, rejoice in who Jesus is. Now, that's not the only way you can do that. You can do this as a home group, as you're talking about the scriptures together. 
or as you hear somebody share something, like hearing Craig Sharon share in our home group last Wednesday night, just, okay, hearing Jesus being revealed through his words, like, yes, Holy Spirit comes. This can happen as you're driving and you're meditating on scripture in your mind, or you're listening to a worship song, which is full of scriptural truth. Lots of ways this can happen. But you got to have truth that you're hearing with faith. And as you do that, God will supply the Holy Spirit. Then third, third aspect of this faith. Faith means asking God to give you more of the Holy Spirit. You all know Luke eleven thirteen. Just jot the reference down. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, which you do, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To who? To those who ask him. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is a crucial dimension of the faith that receives the work of the Holy Spirit. We ask. Okay, so Thursday afternoon, last week, I was... I was uh, feeling kind of disoriented and I wasn't really centered and just my mind was just like going in a million different directions and I was feeling really sad about a particular situation that had developed. It wasn't rivers of living water flowing out of my heart, okay? It was, it was over here. It was, it was dry. So here's what I do. And I would just encourage you to, to adopt a similar practice. I just set aside what I was doing, cleared my desk, opened up my Bible, started by repenting. I, I, as best I could, I just took my hands off of the situation that was making me sad and just trusted that to Jesus, like we sang those good songs this morning. And then I opened up Psalm 86, 4 and 5. Okay? Let me read you what I, what I read. It's my favorite verses. Gladden, make glad the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all a call upon you. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about the truth of God the Father, Jesus the Son. I'm hearing it by faith. So I'm setting my heart on the truth of who Jesus is in the word. And then I prayed, God, I need your Holy Spirit. I'm dry. I'm sad. I'm scattered. I'm distracted. I'm not passionately loving you now. Help me. And it was nothing anywhere near like what Pascal experienced. Let me be clear. But God supplied me with the Holy Spirit as he promised to. He supplied me with the Spirit as I heard with faith and prayed and repented. And my heart was changed. There was peace. Felt peace. I saw that God's good. Jesus Christ is ready to forgive because of the cross. And he's abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon him. And I was trusting and God was supplying the Spirit. And what was happening was was this okay right there it's powerful do you experience that do you know what it is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit whoever believes in me as the scripture said from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water okay now in the past, I, 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 oftentimes at this point I'd open up for questions, but I, I think I want us to do something a little bit different. I want us to have a lab right now where we just take a couple minutes and do this. Okay? So here's what I want us to do. Dave's going to come up, just going to give us some background worship music. And I just want you to pray 
And let's ask the Lord to do this. The reason I want to do this is so that sometimes, you know, it's just so easy to hear something here on Sunday mornings and then we're out the doors and it's like, poof, it's gone. And I'm hoping that by doing a little lab here, it'll sink a little bit more deep into our hearts and we'll actually do and, 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 and maybe by God's grace, taste some of this. Some of you, this is old hat. Others of you, maybe not. So let's do this. So let's just pray together. And there's three aspects to this faith that receives this work of the Holy Spirit. Repenting, setting our hearts on the truth of who Jesus is, trusting him, and then asking. And so start just by by repenting. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Ask yourself, what in your heart right now are you desiring the most? What are you desiring the most? If it's not Jesus, then that's something you need to repent of. And that might kind of blow your mind, but that's just that's the absolute truth. Because if you're why are you desiring that more than Jesus? It's not going to satisfy you. Not even close. But he will totally satisfy you. Another way to another angle to ask the question is what what are you fearing the most? Anything, anything besides not having Jesus, that's something you're desiring more than Jesus. So ask those questions. That might be threatening. But it would be totally worth it if as a result of this, you're able to fully believe in Jesus and receive even more of the gift of the Spirit. So repent. Just take, take your hands off of those things and turn from those things. Turn from whatever else you've trusted to satisfy you, to secure you, to fill you, and turn to Jesus alone. Right now, just in your heart. Tell him you want to repent of these things. Just talk to him about it right now. Just take, take some time now and just talk to him about it. Turn from those things. Tell him you want to turn. And in your heart, turn from them right now. Maybe ask him to show you if there's if you're not sure what it is that you need to repent of. Ask him to show you. Oh, he will. He will show you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves to help you repent. He'll help you take your hands off those things. And then set your mind on, on the truth of who Jesus is. Now, I just put Psalm 86, 4 and 5 up here on the screen. You may have another verse in mind, but just talk to Jesus about how he is good. Thank him for how good he is. Think deeply about how he is flawlessly good. He's good. 100% good. Talk to him about how he, he's forgiving. What an amazing thing. Because of the cross, we can be forgiven. Thank him for that. No matter what your past is like, you can be completely forgiven and you can receive the gift of the Spirit. And then think, just let it blow your mind that He is abundantly, abundant in steadfast love to all who call upon Him. Abundant. And if you're calling upon Him now, He'll be abundant in steadfast love to you. 
So set your heart on the truth of who Jesus is. He's good. He's forgiving. He's abundant in steadfast love to all who call upon him. And I wish we could take a whole lot more time on that, but this is the kind of thing you do. You're just, you're thinking, you're pondering, you're praying, you're talking to him about who he is. It's personal heart connection with the living Father through Jesus the Son. And just worshiping him and thanking him. And then ask him for the work of the Holy Spirit. Ask him. Would you help me to taste this? Would you help me to feel the reality of this? Would you enable me to experience this? To to not just know that you're good, but to see your goodness. To love your goodness. To be satisfied with your goodness. Ask him to do that. Now, how much he does and when he does it is in his flawless sovereign wisdom and grace. But he will do it. If we're repenting, hearing with faith, and asking him. So Lord, I pray. I pray for us right now. I pray that you give us tastes right now of more of that work of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that that this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, we could seek you in this way. Every day, we could seek you in this way. We wouldn't let anything distract us from the prize of the universe, which is you, knowing you, beholding you, loving you. I pray that this week there would be outpourings of the Spirit. There would be torrential downpours of the Spirit upon us here at Mercy Hill Church. What a gift the gift of the Spirit is. At what a cost your blood shed on the cross. Forgive us for how we have let the gift sit there unopened. We have been preoccupied with other things. We're back, Lord. We're home. We're back. We want to seek you with all our hearts and be filled with the Spirit. Let's stand together. Let me just speak over you a benediction from Numbers 6, which is an Old Testament way of saying the same thing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. That's it, right? The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord... Do this for us, we pray, for the glory of Jesus, for the strengthening of the church, and so that we can bear witness of you to the lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.